Welcome back to AirPro Coaching. This is Roy, um, podcast number four of Clipping In. And um, I thought it was a good time to talk about off-season. I had a couple conversations and um, with some athletes in the last couple days. Um, and I thought off-season training is right around the corner for um, a lot of endurance athletes as we move into the month of November. And um, I felt it was, uh, I, th- I thought it would be a good topic to touch on. So those who are not familiar with endurance coaching or, or maybe how we maybe de- uh, prescribe workouts, um, there, there are a couple software systems out there. We use Training Peaks. And what Training Peaks does is allows, it's a web-based system uh, where you can set it up and it looks like a calendar. And a coach can go in there and write a program. They can write a workout. And in that workout, we can prescribe that on perceived effort, heart rate, power. We can put notes into this. Uh, software um, it, it'll track all your data and uh, I can communicate uh, with the athlete so it's a great tool uh, because the athlete can communicate with me it's like a diary um, it's a diary of your workouts where you can put in how you felt that day um, how, how well you slept um, you can put heart rate heart rate variability um, you can track your diet um, so there's a lot of different um, things that can be done with this with this software. So as an endurance coach, I, what I do is I um, put together a program, put together workouts, uh, typically for a week, um, sometimes five days, and then the um, athlete will have their assignments. And during the week, they will do the workouts, and then they will um, they will upload that because the workouts are being recorded. And with technology today, all of this is like seamless. So like, for example, with cycling computers, a, a person can have a cycling computer. Garments in Wahoo are, are some of the popular ones, but a lot of people are starting to use like their Apple watches and things like that. But you can record what's going on. So like you get on your bike, you hit start, you go, and it's gonna record the temperature, it can record uh, elevation, it can record your heart rate, it can record if you have a power meter, power, cadence, like the revolutions per minute, um, all these different um, metrics. So there, it's collecting all this data. It's like a black box. And when you're done, you hit stop, and it saves it, and it can it will automatically save it, um, and you can set it up to automatically save into uh, Training Peaks. And, and again, there are some other softwares out there. I use Training Peaks. Um, I consider it the leader. It's been around um, for a long, long time, um, and uh, for endurance coach athletes and coaches um, so you don't have to be a coach to use it you can just be an athlete um, so anyway it records your data while you're riding and running swimming uh, hiking rowing canoeing i've had um, mma fighters that i've coached i've coached uh, people who have um, done hiking i've ha- i've coached people who have done mountain climbing rowing um, running and cross country crossfit um, so anything that is really has some kind of endurance component um, and so people record this um, this data, and so with a runner, it might be a running watch, and we're, we're recording cadence, like how many times your foot touches the ground, and, and your heart rate, and the, and the pace that you're running. So again, it's just a black box for what you're doing. So it's great, because in endurance sports, unlike some others we've touched on before, that like a coach can't, I can't run, and I can't swim, and I can't bike with everybody. It's impossible. So these devices allow us to be there without being there. So, so I give the workout, the athlete does the workout, and then I can go back and review that workout and see how well they did. 
Um, I can check out their pacing. I can check out, did they follow the workout? Did Are they compliant? Um, what was their heart rate doing? Are they fatigued? Um, are, do they need more rest? Do they need more intensity? Do they need less intensity? So all of this can be determined by using just this, you know, whether it's a runner um, or a cyclist um, using their computer. But what I try to do in this, the same thing that I'm doing typically with these podcasts and the, my social media, is I try to educate. Because I know that I am not always going to be around. Like I am, as a, as a coach, as an endurance coach, I can either micromanage my athletes, meaning I can check in with them before, check in with them after. I can tell them, hey, you missed, you, the workout caused call, uh, called for six times five minutes and you did four times five minutes. And, and then I could micromanage that, you know, just like a corporate America micromanagement. Or I can teach them. And I'd rather teach them. And I, I'd rather teach the athletes um, and for them to be self-sufficient. Because I know one thing is like uh, they're never they're not going to need me every day, 365. Eventually, they're not going to need me, my coaching anymore and they can go off and do it on their own. And so if I can teach them, if I can give them the tools, then they could take that with them. Um, forever they can take you know how to train and how to train more effectively how to use devices and i remember this guy because and his name's vinny and uh vinny came to me five years ago approximately and he wanted to coach and so we we brought him on and vinny's the kind of guy if you tell him to ride three hours and 36 minutes he's going to ride three hours and 36 minutes if you tell him to ride three hours and 36 minutes at 350 watts, he will do that until he dies. If you tell him to go and to um, exhaustion, then he may kill himself trying to do that. And you, so that's another thing as a coach, you got to learn these type of people. So he is that driven, that motivated. He has the mindset. Like I could give this to other people, and like they they're not going to do that. You know, they're just going to be like, hey, this guy's freaking whack and i'm not going to do that anyway so running goes you know what i learned from you is that when my body asks to recover take it and i know i fought with him for probably i would say two years on this i was like hey man when you get to a certain point if it's time to pull the plug pull the plug you know don't continue to push yourself and then um I, and then like if you get up in the morning and you're tired then take a break like take a break, like recover from that. And so he's learned over time that this is the way to do that. And so in, in teaching him to do that, and, and I had to use technology, I had to use numbers, I had to use data to show him that if he took some days off, that if he didn't always push himself, that he that he would actually see improvements. And we show him that. When you show some, when you tell someone one thing, right? When you tell them something, they may not believe you, right? But then when you back it up with fact and data, then they kind of buy into it. They buy into it. And then when it's repeatable, then they accept it. And so I have conversations this time of year with the athletes. I had one today with an athlete who uh, lives out in Oregon. And I've coached him for a few years. And we and we uh, I sat down and we just kind of reviewed the numbers. And I said, hey, these are these are things that went well this, this year. And these are the things that um, you need to approve upon. And he's a cyclist, and the the thing that we finished up with 
uh, that I'd like to give the athletes as they enter off-season training is key performance indicators. So as you sit down and you look through the next three to five months, which are the most important months of any endurance athlete, you have to kind of figure out what are you tracking? What are you going after? Are you just doing workouts to do workouts? Like, are you waking up every day to do, I'm going to go do the track workout, but is that track workout leading towards something? Is that a, is it, is it, um, you know, is there a target? Is it, is it hitting, is it going towards your goal? Um, and, or I'm going to lose 20 pounds and like, okay, well, are you, are you losing 20 pounds just to lose 20 pounds? Or is, are you doing that with a, 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 uh, maybe a way to change your body composition by putting on some mass and losing some fat? Um, or, Hey, I'm going to, um, I'm running every day in the off season. I'm going to run every day. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, potentially that's needed, but why are you doing it? So I sat with him and we talked and I was like, hey, th these are the key performance indicators. And I'm going to go specific into this. I think it's kind of, we'll explain a little bit. But I said, these are the key performance indicators. You are, um, your training level, uh, which we track as uh, chronic training load. So the chronic training load is a is a training peaks metric. And it, and it gauges what an athlete does stress-wise to their body based on time and intensity. So if you take the time and the intensity, it'll give you points, um, and those points um, are averaged out and you get what's called a chronic training load, and we like to call that fitness. So as chronic training load in increases, fitness follows that, okay? And it is a great way to gauge your improvement in fitness using a variable, a, a variety, excuse me, a variety of intensities in time. So at the current moment, his chronic training, uh, we looked through the last historical data of two years. Um, in his last two years, his lowest chronic training loads are in the 50s, his highest are in the 70s. And what that means is that each workout that he does is assigned point value, okay? So if he goes all out for one hour, he gets 100 uh, training stress points. Okay. If he goes a little bit easier per, like if he goes 50% of his threshold for an hour, so he goes half of all out for an hour, then he gets 50 points. So if you're going all out for an hour, you get hundred points. If you go anything below that, you get a percentage of those points. So, and then, so let's say for example, you go all out for seven days. So each day is hundred points. So it's 700 points divided by seven days your chronic training load would be a hundred. So it's the average of your training stress uh, for 42 days, but for simplification, we'll just use seven. All right, so it, this gentleman now is at 40. That means for the last 42 days, his chronic training load was 40 points. So that's relatively low. Okay, so he's had a high of 80. He's had most of the time around 50, and then he brought it to 40. So his fitness starts at a 50, and then as he builds it up, it gets to, he averages about 70 training stress points uh, a day, okay? And then, so that brings him to a certain level of fitness. And then as of recent, he has dropped that down to 40. So it's pretty easy. Like when you have a conversation with an athlete and you said, hey, you typically are at 50 chronic training load. You built it to 70 and now you're at 40. And then when they go, well, you know, I'm not feeling so good or I'm not, the endurance isn't there or whatever those feelings you have, 
the, it goes back to that, right? Like if you do the work and you put the right work in and you're compliant, then that 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 scale or that chart or that graph will just kind of trend upward in a nice uh, uh, steady fashion. So I said, hey, a key performance indicator for you our thing that we want to track is chronic training load and we want to see that chronic training load hit about 80 and i felt 80 because he's been at 70 for quite a while uh when he tops out when he's at his greatest chronic training loads so i said hey let's see what we can do by going to 80 and so he's at 40 we need to get to 80 that's 40 points that's a lot of points that he has to gain and I said, well, we need to gain seven to eight points per month for the next five months. And that will give us 40 points and that will bring us to an 80 chronic training load. And so he said, okay, yeah, I can do that. And so now each month we watch, you know, we watch to see that he is increasing those chronic training load points by about seven to eight points per month. And that's important because you can't, with chronic training load, you have to increase that in a nice steady fashion. So for example, you can't start at 40 one month and go to 80 the next month. You can do it, but what happens is you build so much stress up in the body, there's so much training stress that it, you don't see improvement, eventually you get sick and then you could get injured. So you have to ramp it, it's called a ramp rate. You have to ramp your fitness up nice and steady. So that's why the next three to five months is very important, right? Because if he doesn't put the work in, we're never gonna get a chance to get this back. Like you're not getting this back. Like these next three to five months, you don't get back. Because when the season starts for endurance athletes, whether you're a triathlete, whether you are um, a, um, um, a runner, whether you are a, whatever you do, whatever sport you're in, during your off season, okay, whether this is your off season or you have a different off season because of the sport, runners will be a little different depending on the weather. But for a cyclist this time of year, is going to be the off season and for triathletes this is the off season so the next three to five months if you don't if you want to improve fitness or certain areas okay if you want to improve certain areas these are the months to do that and you won't get these back so you can't play makeup on this so for this cyclist i said hey it's very important to do this now going back to that conversation that i have with the athlete about getting in the program and so i'm not i told i tell my athletes i'm not going to sit there and watch over you I'm not a babysitter. You're an adult. Okay. I call, I say, uh, what's a I term? I say, I, I'm not an ass wiper. I don't wipe asses here. I, I give you, I sit down, I tell you what needs to be done. And then I expect, and, and you're an adult people. These are adults. I expect you to, to go ahead and, and, and go after this with, a, with whatever passion you want. Some people take it a little bit. Uh, overboard. Some people don't do it at all. Some people um, are right in the middle, and you know every athlete's going to be a little different. So I say, hey, these this is what you need to do. These are this is the progression we should take. And then each month I'm going to check in. I said, hey, set up a call with me every month. I don't set the call up. I'm not going to do that. I tell them to set the call up, and they go and take that initiative because I want them to have the buy-in. I want them to have skin in this game. It's not just about money. You know, when somebody pays me money each month that's part of the skin in the game right that's part of it but the other part is they need to become active in their program so they need to set up those those calls with me uh, they need to um, be aware of their key performance indicators um, they need to set goals um, 
so this particular individual is a racer, but it, same thing goes. The same model that I'm I'm talking about here is the same thing. Whether you you just want to beat your guy your buddies up on the group ride, no different. And really, there's same thing. Periodization, periodization. You always want to periodize. You always want to have an off season. You want to have a building period. You want to have a peak period. Um, the body's natural flow state flow state of this is that's that's what we want. We want to be able to build and um, and um, and have some recovery periods. All right, so the key performance indicator number one for him is chronic training load. That's a good one for everybody during this period of time because you can put more volume in. So during the off-season, the volume tends to be aerobic-based. It tends to be in the tempo or lower. So a lot of people are going to ride around long, slow, and steady. I don't – I – if you have time, if you have time, if you have a lot of time, you can do three to five hours a day, every day, that long, slow, and steady stuff works, right? That's where the pros, you know, have the edge because that's all they do. So they can do long, slow, and steady, and it really, it works really well. But if you try to do long, slow, and steady, and all you have is an hour a day and maybe three or four hours on the weekend, it's not going to work. You're not going to be able to overload the system. You're not going to be able to reach, you know, and, and get those gains that you need. I'm not saying you won't see any improvement. Of course, you're going to see improvement, but you're just not going to, it's not as efficient um, as using a little different model. So we, most of our work is going to be at tempo 85% or lower, progressed in a specific way. And we want to see each week building on top of the next. One trick that I do, we all get stuck in this three on one off scenario, like three weeks on one off type of rec um, prog progress. I, I do four and five weeks. So I push the athletes four to five weeks and then I give them a recovery period. So we're seeing it progress, 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 recovery, progress, progress. And so you can do, you know, if you're doing a 12 week program, you could do 10 weeks, you know, five weeks on, one week off, five weeks on, one week off. And now you have 12 weeks of training and you get 10 of those out of 12. If you do a three on one off, right, you get nine weeks for 12 weeks. Right? So you get three, six, nine, three recovery weeks. So three weeks on, one week off. If you do a five one split, so it's five weeks on, one week off, five weeks, you get 10 weeks. You get an extra seven days of work. So, and you can do that in the base foundation aerobic base period because the intensities are lower against again you're doing 85 percent or lower that's why sometimes doing a lot of group riding in the off season is is um not the best play because it's hard to keep your intensity level in the correct zones when you start to up the intensity level you may push yourself over that edge because we're trying to ride that edge to um to give you a, a lot of stress I was listening to a podcast today. It was pretty cool because the gentleman was talking about people going out and doing those killer workouts. Like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do like this killer workout. I'm going to go as hard as I can. I'm going to get as many splat points as I can because I'm at Orange Theory or I'm on the Peloton bike and I want to win or I'm on Zwift and I'm going to do these races and whatever it is, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to really, really get out there and have this or I'm going to ride 500 miles this week, uh, or I'm going to ride 120 miles this weekend uh, or on a Saturday. I'm like really going to have this defining workout, and then it's going to make me fatigued and sore for a couple of days. And that's typically what happens. Somebody goes out there, they do this really, really hard workout, whether it's strength training or whatever. They're sore, they're fatigued, and that fatigue sits around them for three or four days. Well, a better play during the off season, okay, a better play during the off season is keep it right there marginal like a marginal type of workouts like 85 percent just hard enough so that way the next day 
you are ready to go again. And the next day you're ready to go again because it's, I rather have, if I'm doing 12 weeks of training and I can get 10 quality weeks, okay? So I get 10 quality weeks, 70 good days, you know, and over those 70 days, we'll say you're working out, uh, of those 10 weeks, we'll say you're working out four days a week. So that's 40 working days. I can get 40 quality workouts. Or you can be doing high intensity training. You know, you can go out there and drill it at the uh, on track days. You can destroy yourself in the gym. And then you'll get maybe 10 quality workouts. Um, so there is time and place for those high intensity workouts, those red flag days, those days where you are giving it, you know, a little bit extra but those are sparingly those are times those are like when you want to put the icing on the cake like if i'm doing like a five-week progression and on that fifth week i think that we need a little bit more or defining week then i'll i'll give the i'll give some hard stuff so that way then they're back then the next seven you know ten days is recovery and then they're back at it again so I think that caution is to be careful with the intensity, the high intensity stuff. People are like, oh, I'm going to do high intensity. It's the new, you know, I get it. It makes you feel good. Your heart rate gets up. This, you know, you're sweating, all this stuff. But at the end of the day, there is a specific progression um, during the off season. And so 85% um, of functional threshold power, 85% of perceived effort, 85% of, I try to stay that as the top end and then work down from there. So endurance. Uh, low tempo, mid tempo, and it's not to say we don't include a little bit of intensity. Maybe um, a little bit once a week, uh, maybe a little bit every 14 days, because we still want to touch in that. So that's how we're going to drive that chronic training load up. Because during a high intensity week, we need more recovery. Like when I give somebody high intense workouts, their training their training stress for the week might only be three or four hundred. But during the off season, I could ramp it up to a thousand or more. So the average is going to be greatly higher on the chronic training load during the off season because we can stack more training volume in on this period. Okay, so then the fitness is climbing. So the fitness is climbing. So CTL is a great um, is a great tool uh, to track your off season training. So I said CTL. I want, we're at forty. We want to get to eighty. I always prescribe seven to eight uh, ramp points per month, uh, roughly, depending on the athlete. And then um, by the end of those five months, he will be at that 80 chronic training load. Now, does that mean he, he's going to see success? No, I don't know. I really do. I think so. I've been working with him for a while. And that's the thing is like, as a coach, the the um, playbook that I'm going to pull from is, hey, this guy needs 80 chronic training load points. That's where we're going to go. That's our target. Let's go for that. His second um, key performance indicator, okay, so his second key performance indicator is going to be tracking uh, model or his functional threshold power. So this is what he can do for an hour as hard as he can, and uh, we want to we want to increase that um, threshold by about 20 watts. Um, so if we can, I, I told him if we can get into that 20 25 watt gain in the next four to five months then that would be a successful off season. We look back at it, we can say, hey, you did 80 CTL points, you did 260, or you, your threshold was in, increased by 40, or excuse me, 20, 25 watts. Success, success, good job. So you've been, so, and all of the workouts that we are doing, are, you know, that when we come out of this off season, that's where, that's what we're looking to gain. Now, in the beginning, he's not gonna see that because 
we're doing some little bit lower intensity stuff. But as the off season progresses, as we come out of it, we wanna see that 20, 25 watt gain. Now, if he gains 10 watts, you know, or 15 watts in the off season and he doesn't gain 25, is that a failure? No, because we know that that extra 10 is probably gonna be coming in the build period because we're laying a foundation at the aerobic side. Now, <clears throat> if he goes to the negative, he goes the other way at the end of 12 weeks, then we know we may not have, um, we may not have done that correctly. So we should see some gain. Um, at least that was, that's what we're speculating that, it, you know, and that's the key performance indicator because I know he needs it. Like there's some athletes who don't need it. They, their threshold's through the roof. They need other things. So for him, he needs, he needs this work. And then the other thing is he is um, a track style um, racer. So he's, he's a really good sprinter. Um, he's a really good anaerobic guy, over threshold type of guy. And I want to see what we can do in the gym. So I want to put him in the gym and I want him to um, work on some five or six key lifts, like heavy lifts, like strength training lifts. Uh, and I want to see if we can progress the weight on those lifts. I want to see if we can add, you know, push a little bit heavier weight um, in a safe manner. Um, and it doesn't mean the whole, we're not doing like all Olympic lifting type of stuff. But for an example, we may have him do squats five times five on the squat um, after some warm up. And maybe he starts the off season at 100 pounds squatting. And at the end of the off season, he's at 200 pounds, five times five. So that's, again, that's with strength training, we want to see um, some progression. We want to see it done in a safe way. We don't want to be like, I, see, I know people who go to the gym and a lot of us will do it in the off season. We'll go to the gym and then we're dead. We wreck ourselves. We're so sore. We can't walk for a day. Like that's wrong. Like I get the first couple of times you go to the gym, you might be a little sore, but back off, like back off the weight. You know, when you first start into the gym, take it easy. You should f not be sore. Like you should not try to work yourself out to your sore. I see people do it all the time. I see them. They're posting it up on the fucking Instagrams and the Facebooks and all this. They're destroying themselves. Like, again, there's that hero workout, right? You're doing the hero workout. We don't need the hero workout. What we need is just steady growth um, and improvement. So, uh, you know, you start at a certain level. So that's what we want to do. We want to implement some strength training. And so each week now... And each month I will go in and I'll look at these key performance indicators. Do we see anything growing in threshold? Do we see, are we tracking correctly in the chronic training load? Is the, are you doing the strength training, right? So are you doing the strength training? And then um, his diet's pretty good. This, I will touch on nutrition. During the off season is the best time to shed weight or to um, change your body composition and the reason for that is when you're doing the lower intensity workouts that is when you can reduce um, the amount of uh, carbs or the food that you're taking in like protein and fat we kind of you know that stuff stays pretty steady we need that for health and rebuilding and so forth but carbohydrates you can play with you can cycle those a little bit I I'm not a, I am not um, a supporter of the keto diet I, I don't believe you should cut out any food groups I think that's unhealthy uh, people can argue with me all they want. I, I, that's my opinion. I think that e there is a good, there's a good way to cycle your carbs. So you're eating car like if I'm sitting around all day watching TV, I probably shouldn't be eating about 50% of my diet and carbs. That's where the problem in lies. So if I'm sitting around all day, maybe 10 or 20% carbs is all I need because I'm not using it. But if I'm an endurance athlete and I'm out there um, putting in some work, I probably need a little bit more carbohydrates. But during the off season, 
we're burning more fat as fuel because the intensities are aerobic based. So we're using, not saying you're not burning any carbs, but you're burning, a, you know, you definitely are burning some fat at the lower intensity levels. So at this time, it is a good to play with that carbohydrate ratio, you know, whether it's 20 or 30%. Um, I personally will do some rides that are fasted. So I will go out and I'll do a ride on water and, and electrolytes only. So I'll do some fasting. Now afterwards, I do, um, you know, recover my glycogen stores by taking in some carbohydrates. Um, and uh, But I will during the off-season. That's when you can limit those carbohydrates. Lifting, hopefully you're doing some lifting. And then by lifting, you potentially can increase your lean body mass. So if I increase my lean body mass by two, three, four pounds, then, um, and then I reduce my body fat percentage, it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're, you're throwing uh, gasoline on a fire there. A lot of people, what they'll do is they won't get in the gym. They'll just kind of focus on the cardio. You'll lose the weight, but you're not replacing it with good weight or, or lean mass. Um, I'll use myself as an example for two years. I haven't really hit the gym too much. Um, I, I was big into the gym, obviously in the past, if you've listened to my podcast, but, um, I got, I got away from it and I saw my weight didn't really change too much but I, my body composition changed quite a bit. So as of recent, I've, I've, I'm going back to the gym and we'll see how that works. And I think that that's, I think that's a good time to do it is in the off season, jump into the gym, work on um, those longer, when you're doing those longer aerobic rides, you can kind of uh, mess with the carbohydrate intake a little bit. And then this is the best time. So the next three to five months, you know, I would say a good target is, um, you know, two to three pounds a month, if depending on how much you weigh. I mean, if you, you know, if you're 30 pounds away from your, you know, the weight you want to be at, then, you know, I would say four pounds a month. You know, I, I, I don't, I, one pound a week is a lot, to be honest with you. I try to be at three to four pounds a month. You know, if you're like, if you, I see all these fucking diets out there, 10 pounds in a week, 20 pounds, that's garbage. Okay. If you want, I know this for a fact because I've been doing this for a while. If you want to, keep the weight off and you want it to be healthy it's about three pounds maybe four pounds if you you know you have that extra weight um, to lose uh, per month and then it's going to stay off so you know if you want to lose 30 pounds that's a 10 month deal that's a year right you got to commit to a year but we sometimes we don't want to commit to that right we want it we want it tomorrow but in the off season um lowering you know those carbs uh doing some strength training then so for this gentleman i was like hey let's see if we can get three pounds of lean mass i didn't really care about him losing weight i think he's you know he's pretty light 145 150 something like that i said let's see if we can get that three pounds of lean mass now if i'm a micromanager i'm gonna be on top of that i'm gonna you know i'm gonna you know figure out a way to do his you know have him uh check his body composition before and after but he knows i said hey you probably want to figure a way out to see where your body fat percentage is now and then get your lean mass and then you want to figure out at the end of you know three to six months whether you go into a doctor whether you go do a submersion test whether you go do a caliper test where you have a fancy um uh scale you know that's up to you that's your responsibility to track that right it's like my daughter asked me how to do something i say go google it like you got google like if you can't google we got some problems because everything's on fucking google so same thing with the athlete like if i say hey you need to change your body composition i don't need to show you where the gym is at i just need to show you the workouts to do right i don't need to tell you 
that you should you got to track it because you should track it like you got to you should be know that i got to step on the scale because if i don't step on the scale how am i going to know what i weigh and then if we need to figure out body composition then you need some way to track your body fat right so that just that makes sense to do that right so again i don't want to be a crutch for athletes i want to i want to be the person who's teaching them i want to be the teacher not the the crutch because eventually one day they're not going to need a coach and the lessons that you teach them as coaches is what will stick with them now it could be a negative lesson that's that obviously that's not a good thing but if it's a positive lesson where i've taught someone how to do a proper off season set up key performance indicators set up goals targets um, and track them and that's that's positive right they can take that on um for many many years um in the sport that they do so all right so here we have we talked about chronic training load um tracking fitness which is a good one for everybody really i mean if you're chronic training i mean not everybody we'll talk about this in a minute so for cyclists a lot of cyclists coming off the season their chronic training load is a little bit low because it tends to go down in the season so they got to rebuild it okay and then picking a realistic number of the chronic training load seven to eight points per month ramping up it's a good one um, you know if you had one thing to train because you didn't know what else to train training threshold is a pretty good number right we want to see threshold go up and then uh, so that's a good one to just kind of hey what's my threat is my threshold improving how do I track that do a threshold test before the off season all right so if you're doing a 12 week off season do a threshold test you know you could do a 20 minute all-out effort and then figure out what that number is then go through your 12 weeks of training so maybe at the six week mark and the 12 week mark you do you repeat those tests whether it's a running test a swimming test you know whatever your sport is rowing um pick some kind of protocol and then retest it you can retest it in the beginning and the end that's fine you know some people are going to do 16 weeks some people are going to do 20 weeks of off-season training um, but having a way to test that same thing with strength tra training right so you go into the gym you do five times five at 100 pounds and I, you know i like to stay at the same weight for two to three weeks before i progress the weight and then move it up record it move it up record it and so by the end i can say hey i'm doing five times five at 200 pounds and then i can look back at my training and go mm, that was pretty successful so strength training and then weight's easy right you just step on a scale the, the hard part is is it good weight or bad weight so you that's where body composition muscle to fat ratio is what you want to kind of hone in on um you know another good one is cleaning up your diet you know sometimes we fall short and we wait we want to wait till after thanksgiving and the holidays to do that but it, doing it now is great it's great because then going into the holidays those one or two days that you you know you go crazy then it's not that big a deal um, and you don't let yourself get too far behind like a lot of people are looking at like hey christmas is coming and new year's i'll make my resolution well we got two months and so in that too much you could do a lot of damage to yourself so you know i highly recommend to start it now cleaning up the diet so that way and it's a lot easier to do when you're not if as an endurance athlete not racing or preparing for races things like that um for triathletes okay so for everybody's going to have their program right so this is this is my reasoning for this so for long course triathletes i reverse their periodization meaning right now is when i give them intensity so i'm wanting to drive up their functional threshold power functional threshold velocity i, I really want to rebuild it because a lot of people who have done ironman or half ironmans 
mostly Iron Man, but the longer stuff, their threshold goes down. We see it every time. I've, I'll, I've done this every year for the last five years, six years. I'll test them uh, before and I'll test them after, and they lose every single time without a doubt they lose um, functional threshold power or velocity it's because you're doing so much volume that it your endurance is great you're in, you can run forever you can swim forever your endurance is great but um, you uh, y- you lose a little bit of that threshold which is fine that's you give you have to give a little in certain areas to get it in some other places so what I think is in the next three to four or five months, six months, whatever, depending on where you're at, I like to do the, a little bit more intensity. I like to do the building of the functional threshold power. Um, doesn't mean I'm doing like one minute efforts and all that stuff. I, I, I just put a lot of emphasis on growing threshold um, because if I what I what I have done and I've done in the last couple of years is I've pushed their thresholds up as high as I could possibly get it before starting. We'll say Ironman. If we use Ironman for example. So maybe three to four months, five months of really focusing on threshold improvement. And then when we start Ironman training, that's when we're starting long, long, long rides. What's funny is a lot of people this time of year, they're like, I'm going to do Ironman. I'm like, all right, when is it? August. So they're doing 100-mile rides now or they're doing 50-mile rides now. It's like, no, 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 no. That's a good thing to be doing now is working on your bike fit, like getting your bike dialed in, getting that body position figured out. Uh, getting your body fixed, uh, doing some recovery, um, getting uh, s- do- getting in the gym, working on some asymmetries there. Uh, it, sw- if swimming is something that's an issue, work a lot of technique. If running, if you're you know if your cadence on the run is like 150, you need to start working to get that up a little bit. People with lower cadences tend to s- tend to have uh, more issues with injuries. Um, so. And it takes a while to improve that. You can't just go, hey, you know, 180 cadence is what I heard. So I read it in a book, Triathlete Magazine, or I heard it on a podcast. If you're at 150, going to 180 is like, that's insane. It's like going from 200 watts to 400 watts on the threshold. So that takes time. It could take you five, six months just to get from 150 to 160 cadence. So you got to spend that time in the off season uh, because you won't have the patience to do that when you're getting ready to um, actually get into training so this time of year is for ironman athletes i really push um and then running like getting out there and it's a great time to run the weather's great uh and uh pushing their uh, 5k pace 10k pace i really i'm uh they're one hour you know I, like, I really like to see what they can do for one hour some athletes that's a 10 or 15k i got a, a, some accomplished athletes who are doing 15k in an hour so you you want to um you want to see what you can do there. You want to get those speeds up. You want to um, improve your threshold power on the bike. And you want to keep your workouts shorter. Okay, You want to keep those shorter because you're going to be doing a lot of long stuff soon. Think about this too. If you, um, Depending on when you had your race, right? So if you just did your race like in September or October or November, you know, or well, it's about to be November, and you did your Ironman, you've built up this massive amount of base, like aerobic foundational work that you've done to get ready for your big event. I mean, you're biking 100 miles, you're you're running a lot, you're swimming a lot. So you, your aerobic engine should be really topped off. Then you come out with some recovery, transition period, let your body kind of heal up, and then you want to go back. You want Your body is primed for some intensity. It wants it because it hasn't had intensity, or at least it shouldn't have had intensity during that period of time when you're trying to build stamina and then you then we we come in there and we layer in some intensity so the key performance indicators for a triathlete are going to be different 
right? So my my athletes, I may look at what a thing called functional reserve capacity. It's the ability to do work over threshold or the amount of work they can do over threshold at a continuous effort. So I may track that number to, to see if they're improving their over threshold work or they're building that capacity to do work over threshold. Um, I may do, um, I may put more focus uh, on threshold type of work. I, you know, again, I may look at different key performance indicators based on the athlete. And so I would say for a triathlete, depending on the athlete, I would say um, improving threshold. I wouldn't look at CTL because their CTLs are going to be very high coming off of Ironman. So CTL wouldn't be a good uh, chronic training load. I would expect to see that chronic training load go down. Um, from Ironman, I'd like to see it go down. Um, that would be to lose some fitness. And to get fast, you have to lose fitness. It's weird. Like when fitness goes up, you tend not to be fast. And then when you lose a little bit of fitness, you get fast. It's a, it's like an inverse type of thing there. So yeah, I, would, I expect, you know, I would say the funny thing is for Ironman athlete, if their CTL is like 150, I would say, hey, let's drop it about uh, five to six CTL per month for the next four or five months. So let's drop 30, 40 CTL points. Uh, and then let's work on building, um, you know, some speed intensity. Uh, so shorter durations, less volume. Uh, let's get out there and, and uh, do some, uh, see if we can improve your form on the run, uh, see if we can in improve your swim, uh, get you into the gym, uh, change your body composition. Most in uh, Ironman athletes are pretty lean, so we probably want to get them to add a little bit of weight, a little more cushion versus uh, being so lean. Um, sometimes being, yeah, believe it or not, being too lean is not good, right? Like if you're running around six, seven percent body fat, that's not always good. Um, you need a little bit of periods where you maybe you're at eight or nine percent body fat before you um, start getting back into structured, full-on Ironman training. Uh, so let's kind of summarize this real quick and so then in the off season so in the off season uh we go to key performance indicators try to pick a few you want to pick some key performance indicators things that you can track uh i like to do three to four okay three to four key performance indicators three to four uh things goals things you can track and as you are hitting those targets, you're, you know, you see the, whether it's CTL or you, your body composition or your weights that you're lifting or whatever, then you know you're making a dent into your off season. And then the, at the end of the three to five weeks, you can look back and you can look at those measurable, tangible key performance indi indicators to see if you've actually made the best use of the most important three to four months of the year. Now, if you don't have that, if you're just doing training to do training and you don't have any goals or aspirations, you're like, I just want to lose weight. Well, okay, losing weight's a good one, right? You can track it. But a lot of times we'll have athletes losing the weight, but they won't improve their performance. So, um, so make sure that the key performance indicators or the thing that you're tracking or the goal or the target get you to where you want to be. Like if you go, hey, I want to beat my buds on the group ride then those key performance indicators will be a little different and then the tracking of that will be a little different. If you're like, hey, I want to do the Hank Happy Grand Fondo next year. It's a 180 mile event. There's lots of hills on it and so forth. Then there may be some different key performing indicators that you would do. And that's what the coach will do. You sit down. So I sat down with an athlete today. We talked about it um, through the next week or so. We'll talk about, I'll talk to my other athletes and map out their key performance indicators because this is the time of year to do it. As the season's starting to end, 
as the winter sets in uh, for some places, uh, and then we, uh, we start to map out that plan for 2019. If you're waiting for January or February, you're too late. Like you can't, you can't gain that back. So no matter when your race is, so even if your event or your race is not till August or September, or if you're trying to beat the guys on the group ride and you're in a cold climate state, the next three to five months are where you can show up to the group ride in April or May fit and fast and, and turn some heads compared to, you know, where you're at now, if that's your goal. Or if you just came off a big race season because you're an Ironman athlete what you do in the next three to five months can set you up to being fresh and ready for racing next season. Or are you going to be burnt out, frustrated, injured, fatigued um, during this period of time? So, All right, guys, a few little stories there and a little insight into off-season training. I uh, hope you guys uh, kind of picked up on a few tips. Um, and I will be back uh, with another podcast next week, and we will talk about um, – I think I'm going to talk about uh, wind tunnel testing. I know I said I was going to do it on this one, but I think next week I'm going to talk about wind tunnel testing because I had a guy come in for a bike fit, and in that bike fit he kind of alluded to, hey, this is what the pros do, and this is what I want to do. Or And so I think I want to talk about wind tunnel testing, a few things with like bike fit where like, hey, my crank, I hear if I do 165 crank lengths, everything is going to be solved. Um, so some things that maybe are um, could be true, but uh, a lot of times they're not because um, it's very individualized. Like, hey, um, I heard that this bike is the fastest in the wind tunnel. So I'll give you some insight into that. What we saw in the wind tunnel, what um, what what um, what potentially uh, maybe help you make some decisions, whether it be on equipment or where to spend your time or to even get a bike fit, not to get a bike fit, to buy a helmet, um, to get what's the, you know, what is the thing that we saw in the tunnel that every single time made a improvement? There are two things. I'll tell you that right now. There are two things in the tunnel that every single time gave us big time results for those um, doing wind tunnel testing. And so thank you for uh, uh, tuning in for our off-season podcast, podcast number four. We'll be back with number five next week. And as always, up your watts.